What's up, humans? Welcome to episode 38 of the Human Music Podcast, Remix Your Life. Now, it is time to remix your life at Producer Dojo. Producer Dojo is hosting this Remix Your Life contest through the website stick.com where ninjas will set up New Year's resolutions and the dojo will track us on a leaderboard in their Discord chat. The winner gets a free year of membership to the class of 808, over a $1,000 value that includes Ill Gates weekly download archive, monthly private lessons from the senseis, unlimited track feedback, and much more. We stream this episode live on Dojo TV, our free producer education channel. To sign up for Dojo TV, the weekly download, the Producer Dojo membership, or track feedback, visit the Producer Dojo link in the description. All right? Now, this contest is starting today, Tuesday the 12th, the day that we're going live with this podcast. So there's still time for you to jump in, make some resolutions, and have fun uh, you know, remixing your life with the whole crew in the Discord chat. Again, sign up for the free Dojo TV link and you get the Discord chat link as well. Now, on to the episode. We had a lot of fun, a lot of good user questions from that Discord chat. So make sure you're in there the next time we do this in about a week. All right? Peace, y'all. Hello, people of Earth. This is Tesco with... Rip Kenny and Trap Jesus, and you're listening to the uh, Human Music Podcast. Woo! Hmm. Human Music Podcast. I like it. If we're live, we're live! What's up, everybody? It's the Human Music Podcast, coming at you live as hell for the first time. So all those mistakes we normally make and then have to watch ourselves do and put it on the internet anyways, we get to do with you live, right now, this time. And you get to know about it before anybody. What's up, Dojo TV? It's the Human Music Podcast. Was good. Here was with good. my beautiful co-hosts, Rip, Kenny, and Tesco. Of course, I'm Trap Jesus. You might know me as Luke Rain, but either way, I am excited to be here with y'all. And right now, because it's official Dojo Remix Your Life Week, we're going to talk about remixing lives. We're going to be taking your questions, so please do not be shy in that chat. Ooh, I think I heard somebody just chat. What's up, y'all? Hey, shouts out to... Zach, shouts out to Hexus, Katie, Boomsayer. What's up, everybody? We got people over here. Oh, Airhorn. Hell yeah. Yeah, so yeah, please don't be uh please don't be shy in that chat because any questions you got about what we're talking about or just shit we are neglecting to talk about that you want us to talk about, uh, that's exactly what we need, because otherwise we're just gonna have to talk for an hour. And if you've ever listened to our podcast, you know that's not really a problem, but you know, help us out. Come on. <laughs> we're nervous. Yeah, yeah. We're scared. We're live. No, I got to say, dude, you really have like the perfect radio voice. Like well, that yeah. whole thing was like you practiced that like 20 times. That was great. Nope. I just drank a <laughs> cup of coffee and started spewing words at the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of spewing words at the Internet, since you're doing such a good job, would you like to start us off with how you remixed your life? Yes, I would. The year was 2017, <laughs> December. It was a dark and probably because I live in Seattle rainy night. And I was in my studio making really 
bass music. Dun, dun, dun. I decided to stop and go to sleep. But I couldn't because I'd been staring at a computer monitor all night. And also, I was just really troubled about how bad music I had attempted to make that night. Uh, So I did what any good millennial would do. I started scrolling Facebook in bed on my phone, getting more blue light into my brainicle and not sleeping. Uh, Fatefully, the third post down, I don't know how I remember it was the third one, but the third post down was this weird green-haired dude who spoke directly into the dark depths of my soul and said something like, are you a music producer? Are you having trouble finishing tracks? Do you need a breakthrough? Then I have a workshop for you. And I thought, I feel attacked. He knows me. Don't at me. me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I ended up signing up for the Breakthrough Workshop with Ill Gates. You guys probably figured out who the green-haired guy was. And, uh, Boy, howdy, was that a momentous moment for me. Uh, that's That sounds pretty uh, redundant now that I say momentous moment out loud and repeat it back at myself. <laughs> but it was a big moment because uh, not only did I get like eight pages worth of extremely valuable notes off of that first free webinar, um, at the end he gave the pitch about the class of 808. Uh, it was before there was a Producer Dojo membership, kind of that intermediate step, and So, uh, you know, it took me about a day to, you know, decide to spend my money, but I knew in my heart when I left that, (laughs) that window open with the buy link on it until the next day that, that I would be spending that money. And I am so glad I did. It is by far the single best purchase I've ever made for my music career. And it began, it began a, a sequence of events that has helped me remix my life, not just once that time, but quite a few times. You know, I went from releasing zero songs in 2017 because I knew they all sucked uh, to releasing 10 with the dojo on the Cypher mixtapes in 2018. Um, just being able, you know, first like to have a prompt of what to shoot for with my song um, really helped, you know, actually narrowing it down for me trying to do everything all at once to me trying to do one thing at a time was huge. Uh, then actually being able to get feedback on each draft, not having to sit there in my own studio with my own untrained ears and my own self piles of self-doubt, just worrying about whether or not this track was good. I just got to make a first draft, turn it in, and then hear what was good to keep and what wasn't good to fix and how to fix it and get a link to the weekly download article the episode that would help me learn how to fix the thing I needed to fix. And it just gave me such a, an easy step-by-step, like, this is how it happens. And, you know, after, you know, my first one, I, I went through draft after draft. And at the time, actually, Ill Gates was doing all that cipher feedback. That was uh, pretty cool to get direct feedback from Ill Gates at that level. Um, and and hearing him actually like dig my track, like tell me how many problems there still were with it, but be like, oh, there's something here, gave me such a boost, you know, just emotionally and morally, like oh that that idea that this is something that could be something, and my some of my instincts are good uh, was a huge help for me, and you know it by the end of that year, I ended up uh, being uh, becoming the dojo's resident reason sensei. Shouts out to my Reason gang out there. I know you're few and far between in the dojo, but I love y'all. <laughs> and yeah, that was uh, that was my initial 
remixing of my life. You know, uh, I, I learned to separate my time, not do all my editing, sound selection and everything all at once while I was attempting to write my songs, like separating my time, doing a lot more preparation, um, you know, learning to work on more of a draft basis than uh, stay in the DAW as long as possible for as many consecutive days as possible and, and ruin my sense of self-worth <laughs> progressively. I stopped doing that. That was really helpful. Yeah, it was, it was a huge, huge benefit to me to sign up for the dojo and you know every every year since then just keeps getting better what about you guys what was let's let's go to let's you look like you want to talk rip kenny i gotta unpack some stuff that you just talked about because okay there's a, good, there's a lot of good points in there Woo. i think that first of all having that structure and the framework to create music within is so beneficial on so many different levels the first being like when you sit down to an empty DAW, the infinity of choice and the infinity of plugins and samples and what music do I make? What music do I like? What music am I good at making? What music do people want to hear? Like, it is so hard to get from that infinity to actually creating something that's finished and actually having a framework both helps finish the song at all and also helps you be creative within that framework. It's like, it's kind of like reverse psychology, but when you create a box or, or a structure or any sort of system, then you like learn how to push the envelope of that system and think of new and interesting ways to use that system because you have a starting point and you have a roadmap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, it's kind of like writing a haiku, you know? put that little structure of what you, what bounds you need to stay in and then fulfill all your creative needs inside of that. Yes, shout out haikus. Great, great form of writing, poetry, art, all in general, yes. I don't haikus. think, I, don't think I didn't count, but I'm pretty sure that wasn't a haiku. <laughs> 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 Yo, quick shout outs to everybody that's joining us tonight. Thanks for spending some time with us here. Um, Luke, I want to ask you, what was the first thing that you kind of picked up from the dojo where you're like, okay, this is exactly what I needed to hear. And this alone was worth joining. Ooh, man. Um, let's see. I think, I mean, one of the early things that I really remember latching onto was kind of the, the concept of figure and ground that that dylan has you know brought up in many different places in many different ways but the idea that the there's only two things the listener can ever possibly hear the singer and the band the lead and the backup like the one thing that i'm paying attention to at the moment and all of the parts i'm subconsciously dancing along to without thinking about them that really changed things for me because I was doing too much. I had doing too much itis. I was like, oh, my music's going to be so cool because it's complicated and people will hear how many things I piled on top and made this insane wall of sound madness. But what it turned out to be was that uh, I was confusing folks and they didn't know what to pay attention to. And it was, I, I think the, the most common uh, feedback I got from Dylan in like the first six months was the term layer cake. 
This is mm. a layer cake and you need to learn how to checkerboard. Like that and then like the um that weekly download about sitting on top and you know utilizing the presence or absence of the high-end frequencies in a sound to either have it sit on top of the mix, you know, so like that vocal or that lead synth needs to have a lot of presence in the high end and anything that you want to push to the back, you know, you want to filter that out to, to have that feeling. And he does that thing in that, that I talk about this all the time. He does this in the, that weekly download where he gets really close up on the mic and he's like, now you can hear all the bass and all of the treble in my voice. And then the further I get away, it's more mid range yeah. and more reverb. And then I think that was part of the far away rack weekly download that like the just being able to understand like the spatial effects of like lots of lows and highs close like just the mid-range far away lots of reverb far away no reverb close like those those it seems so simple but like you have to understand those things uh, very well to understand like how you can like actually place things at different tiers in your music and give that real depth Mm mm-hmm Amen. That was one of the biggest things I've picked up too. Uh-huh. Um, by the way, we, we got a question here uh, from OGK. Shout out to you, man, for uh, submitting this. He wants to hear how we schedule our weeks for maximum productivity. Specifically, what do we do with nighttime sessions during the week? Um, I can kick it off. I mean, do. I try and get an idea of what I'm going for at that time. I feel like generally... You sort of go through phases, Um, even if you're like sticking to a genre, like let's say it's dubstep, you might be like into more like tear out kind of stuff. Or if it's house, you might be more into like deep house or something. Generally, there are sort of like some characteristics that are inspiring you in the moment. So what I try to do, I'm really big on workflow library template. Library and template are what's going to aid your workflow and help you be more efficient. So like, if you know that you're going for this vibe and you need these elements, like you're cooking a stew that needs carrots and peas and whatever, whatever, like prepare all that stuff beforehand and try and get out of your way as much as possible. So like, if you know a house drum beat always looks like this, then have some MIDI with like maybe some 128s with the patterns already loaded, lay out a structure beforehand. If you're doing a mud pie session, like stop, stop stopping to like critique what you just created. Just, just generate like a hundred or, or so like little bass riffs or whatever. Just keep resampling, 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 and then judge it later like just generate a whole bunch of parts throughout the week and like i feel like that's a really underrated tip um especially about the template where it's like if you hop into your project and you already have a drum beat ready to go with some channels already set up it's somewhat pre-mixed to your liking you have samples in there you already like you have a song structure laid out. It's at the tempo you like. And now all you have to do is pull from those mud pies and start checkerboarding and arranging. Like that is totally different workflow and inspiration that you get writing when you're not set, like wasting that half hour beforehand just to get the drums going. And then now you have to generate all the parts. So don't underestimate your template and, and creating folders. Uh, I'm going to just leave it off on this one last thing too. Like 
if you're um, coming up with like a bunch of samples that you're going to use later on, don't limit yourself to just like the basics. Like, like, yeah, find your best kicks, find your best snares, get some bases, some resamples, whatever. Those are kind of obvious, but like if you like ominous vibes or you like tropical vibes or whatever, like make an ominous folder, make a tropical folder, go to freesound.org and just like download a bunch of sounds and, and put them in folders based on vibes. They don't have to just be like typical like traditional sort of sounds that you'd find in a sample pack. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to answer the original question and the follow-up question that's just come in. Um, so I'm going to start with the follow-up question actually, because it's touching on something you just talked about. OGK asks, do you ever find that a template puts you into a box creatively, you know, making the same track over and over, et cetera. Um, for me personally, and it sounds like you might be the same. If you're if you're asking that question, you're worried about the fact that a template might make you make a similar track over and over. And my solution to that, because I'm much the same as you, uh, don't put any of the creative stuff in the template. When you do that prep, save all of the 128s in your library. It's it's just another two clicks. If it's in your, like, if you already know what you want to make, like, you're going on a tear out dubstep spree and you want to make 12 tear out dubstep songs and you have all of the sounds in the world that you would know that you want to use and you make a tear out dubstep template and you have those sounds in there already. Perfect. But what, you know, this, the same thing for me is that I prefer to have just the template of everything else besides the sounds. So I have my sidechain set up already. I have all of the groups that I like to use. I have them organized in a structure that makes sense. As soon as I put a kick in the project, the kick is sidechaining everything. Same with the snare. And all of the creative stuff is just left to add at that point, right? So basically, you could solve that by having your general template, which is just the one I use all the time. And if you wanted to get more specific, like Tesco was talking about, load that stuff in there, and then you could have your specific types of project template. Um, so for me, my nighttime sessions are mostly sound design and writing uh, hooks or chords, uh, can also be guitar loops. Really though, like for me in nighttime sessions, because it's the end of the day, sometimes you're tired. Like I really let my own intuition of like what excites me right now guide me. Like maybe I just got a new guitar pedal and so I want to play guitar. And so I'm going to record, you know, five different guitar loops. Um, you know, one of them might be amazing. And I'm like, okay, I got to save that one for sure. Uh, I'll probably save all of them, but you know, bookmark in a way that guitar loop so I know that it's really great and that I could start a song with it later. Um, or maybe I'm just feeling like twisting some knobs and seeing what I can come up with sound-wise. Um, but re more recently, I've actually found that um, I've liked taking the opposite approach, start with a really simple sound and then build a rack. Um, kind of like, if you guys have seen the, the YouTube uh, video doom behind the music where mick gordon explains this whole doom machine rack i made like uh an iteration of of that and then realized that that is great but i can only load one of those into each project because it's like 
so CPU and like the the full Doom machine I made took like eight hours and has so many plugins and everything. It's like it like just putting it in the projects like thirty uh, percent. So what I've been doing is actually making Doom minis. So like instead of having four channels of a bunch of different stuff, have like one that does saturation, one that does like um, like like fuzz distortion, one that does like square wave distortion, and then some effects and some other little knobs that I can tweak. But just like having like processor friendly versions of that that I can then like just put a simple sub 808 crack yes thank you nard that is the video if you haven't watched it do yourself a favor right after that watch it it's incredible um yeah not now but, not yet not now <laughs> we are live we are live people they're not going uh, anywhere <laughs> watch um but so like that's what's exciting me right now like that's what at you know 8 nine o'clock i'm not just gonna like oh i'm not really feeling it i'm just gonna like watch funny youtube videos like i'll like actually get something done um and so i think that's really important for for you to kind of find something that excites you but is also productive and that you can get excited about that is basically serving the things that tesco is talking about template library Man, one uh, quick thing just on the point that you brought up there, um, as far as not putting any of the main creative stuff in the template, thousand percent agree. And that's why I brought up the example of like house, for example, where it's like the drum beat is always going to be the same and it's the stuff around it that's unique. I think too, that's a a really interesting thing to think about um, because in my opinion, people are way, way, way too scared of repeating themselves but then they'll also be like, well, I want to be a house producer. And it's like, okay, so you've already adopted this like rather arbitrary collection of traits to your song, but yet people don't think like house or drum and bass is repetitive, for example, when there's like two, maybe three like arrangements that typically get used. Always the same drum beat. I mean, every song has a kick, snare, or clap and or like basically every song has drums a sub bass um is side chained all these things like i don't think you're gonna limit your creativity if you write a song that follows the same arrangement has the same instruments um and you know another like other common characteristics that you like to hear unless you're like intentionally going in and writing in all of the same MIDI, you should not be scared of repeating yourself. If anything, if you have any block during your process, you should pick more constants in your process and really like define and push the bounds of what you could get done. And um, I almost think it's like, I don't want to say arrogant because I know you're not trying to be arrogant, but I think it's almost like ego driven that people are like, oh, I'm scared to copy myself because it's like, did you really get the most out of all of those characteristics and attributes you chose for the first time? Or is there maybe a bit more room for of exploration for you to write a 140 BPM song with drums that uses pluck-like instruments in F minor, for example? You could write a whole catalog with those. You could build a career. <laughs> you could build a whole career on just those right there. Like, I mean, I know Slow Forms in the chat she pretty much makes everything I've ever heard of hers halftime, 140, a lot of wobbly subs. I've never heard two songs of hers that I was like, mm, that's basically the same song. It's 
just like we're talking about, make a box of what you're trying to do. Even if you have multiple boxes that you're going for, like make a box and then explore a lot. Make a template with a set of sounds in it and explore it a lot. Guarantee you're not releasing every single song that ev not every single song you make in that template is going to be completely release worthy, especially if you're starting out. Like sometimes try to challenge you, try to make the same song twice. No, seriously, I, I have a challenge for you guys. <laughs> Open a project that you've released, but before you rendered everything, open that project, delete out all the MIDI, turn off all the drum samples, and then make another song next to it. That song's not going to sound nearly the same. It's not even going to be close. Like, if you're lacking inspiration, that's also a perfect thing to do. Take a project that you loved, one of your favorites, open that guy up before everything's frozen and flattened, and just create within that. All of the stuff in there you obviously already like. And then one of the things that's already in there, you can be like, oh yeah, I have this other sound in my library that would go good with that, with this rhythm that I just made. That, that is the litmus test, right? Like if you think you're going to make the same song twice, give yourself the exact same set of stuff mm -hmm. and see if it is like, any time I've ever done that, it's not even, it's not even, no one would ever be like, oh yeah, that's, that's the same song. You, you just do end up with something different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And speaking yeah, of templates, worry about it too much. Speaking of templates, I made, and it was September, 2019, I made a trap beat template. I downloaded all of Southside from 808 Mafia's kit off the of splice. And I spent a nighttime session going through all of the samples in that kit and putting all the ones I liked onto drum racks. I had a bunch of racks that were like, I used the three drum rack method, had a few just like kick and snare racks, one of all the extra trap snares, a few of hi-hats, one of only claps, you know, and then a whole bunch, there was like four or five of just spices, these random sounds and shouts and reverses and stuff that were in the pack. And then I went and I put all of the best subs that like long sustained subs he had on samplers and then i put all the rest of them those shorter like kick like 808s on a couple more drum racks and then i went through reasons like stock sounds this uh called this one called clang and i made like stack instruments of like three or four different clang patches of like tuned percussion mallet you know plucky kind of patches and i got 10 different ones I've probably made a hundred trap beats out of that template. And like the 87th one got me a placement. Like I've got this vinyl right here. This guy Scatta made a track and put it, it's the title track, it's called Hardships. It's number one on this vinyl. Put it out, it came out in England. So I'm on British vinyl for Christ's sake hey. because of the 87th hey. beat I made out of that template. Some of those beats That's are cool. awesome and got used by other people. Have some of the exact same instruments in them. But like, think about ACDC or Jimi Hendrix. It's like, oh, a drummer, a bassist, a guitar, some vocals, a whole catalog of very distinct songs that people love. Like, you know, <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's, you don't have to overthink this. Like if you have two songs and they sound too similar to put them both out to you, just put out the better one. Totally. One thing too, I like that you said, um, you pulled in like quite a few things into your template. 
And I'd be willing to bet you didn't use every single channel that you had in your template in every single song. Yeah, mostly but not. But it's there and it's ready for you in case you want to use it. So, yeah, make your templates customizable. Like, if you know that you're going to be using this template for the next, like, month or two, don't just drag in one kick. Like, take some time, maybe find your 10, 15, 20 favorite kicks. Make yourself a little mini 128. Do the same for your claps, snares. And now it's like all these sounds are custom tailored to you. Super easy. You just turn a knob and um, yeah, it should not limit your creativity. Like, I think that's the funniest misconception is like people are too scared of repeating themselves. Yeah, it's not like people think of this word template like it's a paint by numbers song or something. No, it's like it's more of a, a palette, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like it is a set of sounds that you pre-selected because you already liked them and you put them at your fingertips and you'll probably use 10% of them per song, maybe. Like I said, I had, you know, whatever, like 38 different 808 sounds in there. I probably had 16 kicks and, you know, like 32 snares and 32 hi-hats. Like I'm using what? Two, three hi-hats per song, two, three snares, probably one kick, one 808 sub sound on average, you know, like two spice sounds. That's that's a fraction of what I had in there. And on some of the tracks, I used those pluck sounds. Sometimes I'll use them in a low or a middle or a high register. It sounds different than the last time I used it. I did a different tempo, key, you know, different, you know, different melody patterns. I sometimes I didn't use those at all. Sometimes I pulled a sample loop that a collaborator had made. And I was like, oh, this is at 120 in F minor. That's what I'm going to write the song at. And now I just have drums to put around the sample loop and bass to, to put under the sample loop. Like, don't, don't overthink this stuff. And the most important one, you put it, Rip Kinney, is that mixing template that has all your side chaining, all of your, your groups, your, your effects that you put on everything. If you use send effects or, or if you know, you're using the Skrillex busing system like have all that set up because you could spend an hour setting that up per song or you could set up once and that's the real big remix your life moment is when you use your nighttime sessions to put things together that you can use over and over and exponentially save yourself time yeah amen i think i think a lot of people would actually benefit from that palette that you were talking about more so like more so than putting people in a box I think people could benefit from actually thinking about the palette they're going to use before they use it. Like planning out what colors you're going to use on this painting before you just start throwing paint at it. Um, it's like the analogy that I love is like when you're watching a movie, like it, it doesn't go from like bright rainbow vibrant to like dark, like just some whites and purples and like, every movie has like a very specific color palette that they bring out of the film. And that does not change for the entire movie. A lot of people will get hung up because they'll start grabbing all of their favorite presets and their favorite samples. And it's Skrillex Womp Bass and, you know, low-key Wobble Bass and all of these things. They're like, these are all my favorites and throw it at the song. They don't necessarily work together. So if you actually spent your time figuring out what sounds like you, maybe, maybe you have like four racks and you're like, these all go with each other. These all go with each other. 
these all go with each other and so on. And you just pick one of those and use those to make this song and you know, so on. You would actually have less deliberation on what sound you should use and end up with a more consistent texture and coloration in your art when you're done. And it's going to sound like you were very intentional about it. And Man, um, so on that note, because I agree with you guys, that's one of the biggest remix your life things I've learned. But you want to kick it off with your story, Evan, and, and talk a little bit about how you found out about Producer Dojo and then maybe what your first few sessions were like. What was the biggest breakthrough for you? Yeah, so I don't have a perfect radio voice ominous intro uh, <laughs> for my story. It's eerily similar, though. Um, so I, I I had been producing for a few years, and I was struggling to come up with work that I felt like was cohesive. And I had just watched The Ill Methodology Part 1, where he talks about daytime and nighttime sessions. And still to this day, that piece of information has been the most transformational thing that I have heard in my entire music production journey, hands down. And I want, I want, I literally want every single person watching or listening to this to take a long, hard look at yourself and ask how many full days have you committed to making music in the past year? Not, not like, oh yeah, I gave myself four hours on a Saturday morning and then had to do this errand and that errand. No, I'm talking about like you talk to your significant other, you talk to your friends, you told them don't, don't hit me up this day. You put it on the calendar two months ahead of time. This is a music making day. Like don't talk to me. And you spent 20 hours start to finish and wrote something that you were really proud of. Those are the days that you make the absolute magic. And that was really what I felt was missing in my life. And the biggest remix your life revelation that I had that came from the dojo. So I had just found that and I was like, oh my God, this guy is a wizard. He's talking about the stuff that I needed to know that I didn't know that I needed to know. Like no one, there's no YouTube tutorial on like how to organize your time as a producer. Like now there might be, but there sure as hell wasn't back then. Um, and so right after that, I saw like some ad on Facebook about the Breakthrough Workshop. Went to the Breakthrough Workshop. Like I was, I was sold before I showed up. Like really, I actually was. And joined the class of 808 that night. Um, and the biggest thing for me was that it's not just like, learning and tutorials or it's not even just like workflow and like all that all it's not just that it's having like you said luke a sounding board for feedback that was the biggest thing that i saw as like a level up for myself like i had a lot of friends that you know, would listen to my music and they all thought it was good or wouldn't tell me if they didn't think it was. <laughs> or the closest two people in my life, like my best friend and and my girl would tell me when something sucked. And those were the only two people that would be honest with me. And most of the time, it was because it was a jumbled mess. Too much stuff going on, distill the focus, you added too many parts. And that single thing stemmed from 
mostly not spending a dedicated, long writing session chunk of time on creating a rough draft for the song. What I would do is work on it an hour at a time, show up the next day. Oh, this is cool. What can I add? Oh, this is still pretty cool. What else can I add? Okay, this is very full now. Yes, layer cake. Dude, that was literally the biggest thing that I got as feedback early on that was like, oh my God, you're so right. Because fun fact, I, for the first three or four years of producing, only made house music. Various forms. Um, starting in 2013, there was probably some very cringe big room in there. I know. Oh, hey, bro, yo. I've oh, listened, but I've listened to now. I've had the the pleasure of hearing your 2015 through 2017 house music, and you made jams by then. So that's just a reminder to stick with whatever you're doing, whatever <laughs> you're passionate about. So he says he hated those 2013 tracks, but by 2015 there were some jams, and by 2017 there were some super jams in house <laughs> in the house um, genre that uh, I love. Yeah, well, I mean, that's four years doing the same genre. I, you you know, occasionally a blind squirrel finds a nut. So. <laughs> Um, <laughs> where was I? So, okay. So <laughs> my problem was with house music, it's all so loop based, like no offense, house music producers or anyone. I love house music, but I would find myself adding loops of things and adding more loops of things and adding more loops of things. So by the time I started to like figure out what I wanted to do for this project, the Rip Kenny project, and it was bass music, I would just do the same thing, like loops of things, make a cool synth make a loop, play that loop for a while, add other loops on top of it. And it was just this like Lego block looking song. Um, and having someone explain to me checkerboarding and explain to me the layer cake phenomenon, explain how to distill the focus of your song was such a big level up. And, you know, like you said, like some of those house songs like were good, but they still didn't really grab people you know they didn't really tell a story they didn't they didn't like draw you into the point where your eyes are like wide like oh my god you know like you want you want someone to like be listening to your song and not think like oh i wonder what i'm gonna defrost for dinner tonight you know like like it should it should like be easy enough to focus on and also attention grabbing enough that like it consumes you and none of my music was doing that and through the dojo, remixing my life in music allowed me to, you know, what I would say transfer, like completely transform into music that I, you know, I would like to think has some of those qualities now. And it would never have if I didn't find the dojo. Yeah, True. and I would feel I would feel remiss if I didn't add there is an add-on to the dojo that anybody can get. It's called Unlimited Track Feedback. And that, more than anything, was my single biggest upgrade like to my personal music making. Just changing, like I said, changing from trying to finish a track and then show it to somebody to just merely getting the idea of my first draft out, hitting bounce, sending it into a sensei, forgetting it exists for five days, and then coming back to it after I've had that feedback sitting in my inbox a couple of days and be like, okay, now I'm going to spend a few hours. I'm going to watch the weekly downloads that were recommended. I'm going to go through this checklist, just do the checklist, 
maybe fix a couple of things I had in mind, bounce it again, send it back to that same sensei. Like, stop, you know, sitting in your own head for so long at one time. Got a first draft idea. Ooh, here's a melody. Here's some cool patches. This is the drum pattern and the subs that work. Here's a basic idea of arrangement. Bounce. Forget it exists. Step away from it. Go make more timer beats. Do anything else with your life. Come back. So I'm dropping this in the chat. It'll be for the people in the future time. Uh, <laughs> listening to this at some other time. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes as well. But get that track feedback, especially if you're at a point where you're doing at least like if, if you're doing four drafts a month, just one bounce a week, it is more than worth it. It's just 20 bucks for unlimited. And if you're doing any more than that, it keeps getting more worth it the more you utilize it. So that was the, the biggest thing possibly for me re remixing my life. Like the monthly sensei sessions are so key, getting a full hour to ask questions and get high detail shown for how to do things. But being able to drop any draft at any moment, whether it's 3 a.m. or 9 in the morning, just being able to be, okay, I'm done with this for now, and it's going to somebody with better ears than me, with a new perspective. And then let it go until I come back with that new perspective on it. Totally. Make breakthroughs on the side while somebody else gives you breakthroughs. That's like, yeah, you right. level up so fast doing that. Um, also, on that note, I want to talk, because uh, I've been watching the chat here, um, and Katie mentioned, you know, blocking out a day a month and coming out with like five tracks and um i, I see ogk in the chat here uh who mentioned he tried doing his first timer bean it didn't go so well and and what i want to say is i think a big part of that process too is just the perspective shift that has to happen like joining the community and realizing like how other people are working you realize that like five tracks a day isn't a lot and uh, for the people that have taken sessions with me, like, you know, we've we've talked about like three to five tracks a day is, is kind of the norm, because if you're playing off that Pareto principle, that 80-20 rule, that's like one out of every five tracks are good. So you got to like set aside a day to get five ideas and then work on the best one. And that's how you get that quality you want. But it isn't until you actually gain that perspective and see how other people are working that you even realize like, one a day is possible two three four five a day is possible yeah now obviously don't rush but like you know that that is going to level you up like realizing like i can create a framework for myself and man and just to bring it real quick to what we were talking about earlier we should just start weeding out the term templates palettes all day amen but Amen. Yeah, templates Palettes definitely have a weird connotation with them i mean i still i still call it a mixing template because, mm -hmm. you know, it is. But I feel you, for any of the, like, the creative parts, it's much more of a palette than a template anyways. You know, it's not, it's, I'm not boxing myself in in any way. I'm just saving myself a ton of time of looking for drum samples and shit. Like, I know I'm going to need drums. I know I'm going to need subs. I know I'm going to need spices. I know I'm going to need, and maybe, hey, maybe there's a synth you really like to use. Maybe it's serum. Just put two serums in there, even if they're on the initial patch, just so all you have to do is open that window and pick a patch and start writing. Or write in the initialized patch and then audition shit. And then you can do the loop menu or preset shredding really fast. Mm -hmm. You know, if you always like doing some mud pies, maybe just set up that resample track already so that you can just 
hit record and go and do the resample that you're looking for without having to take the time to do that legwork to get to the place to do what you always do anyways. Everything's about saving yourself time. And uh, you just reminded me of a story that was a big moment for me. It was actually like two weeks before I joined the dojo, before I found out that Ill Gates had an awesome school. I was in Atlanta for a, a beat battle. And uh, I re-met a couple of, uh, of, of the bigger producers. They had like come in second in that beat battle years before the first time I went. And I re-met them down there because they were like a featured act. And they uh, invited me and my buddy Smart Boy to come over to their studio. And they were showing us kind of their process and how they make beats and how they work. And he's like, let me ask you guys a question. You know, in a day of sitting down to make beats, how many beats on average do you think you could make? And we were both looked at each other like, oh, I mean, if it's a good day, I will make all of one. And more often than that, less than that. You know, like we'll make part of one and maybe I'll start a couple, but I won't finish them and not like them. Or, you know, but if it's a good day, I'll like get all the way through one. It's like, all right, dope. No, that's a good place to start. Not to brag, me and my partner sit down. Every day we sit down to make beats, we make five to eight. That's our average. Not again, not to brag, to say that if we can do it, you can learn how to do it. And that's what your competition is doing. They've mm -hmm. learned to work faster and make more, and then the cream will rise to the top. And that like really that really hit me like, oh, I can work faster. I have an imaginary ceiling to my speed and this imaginary idea that the more time I spend working on something, the better it gets, and that if I rush, it won't be as good. I have learned then, you know, it was fortuitous that two weeks later I showed up at the dojo and started to learn about separating my time, learned that timer beats and palettes were even a thing. You know, I would like get an idea and be like, oh, this is the amazing God-given beat idea I have in my head and it's got to sound just like this or I'm doing it wrong. Then I would open up my unorganized library. Then I would start down looking, no, that's not the patch, that's not the patch, that's not the patch. And then... Before I know it, 45 minutes have gone by. I barely remember what my amazing idea sounded like. And I would run out of steam and I would close the DAW, sad. And now I'm just like, hmm, a melody, palette, melody down, bunch of different patches to run it through. I can literally just take that melody and move it down to the next lane and be like, nope, 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 nope. Ooh, moving on. Drums, drum beat, boom, clack, boom, ba boom, clack. Not that kick, not that kick, ooh, that kick. Not that snare, not that snare, ooh, that snare. Moving on, hi-hats. You know, like, learn to give yourself ways to move faster because that's really what counts the most. Like, like we've been talking about, even if you finish all these beats, not all of them are gonna be the ones you wanna release. Not all of them are gonna turn into full songs, and that's fine, that's normal. I, I learned from a, another guy, he's a hit songwriter named uh, Daryl Brown, who does the track feedback sections of the ASCAP Expo. And he said, you'll have a life event. You'll fall in love, you'll break up, you'll have a kid, somebody you'll die. Something big will happen in your life. You'll have a really good summer and you wanna write a bunch of really good happy summer songs, whatever it is. You'll have a life event and you'll write a batch of songs. Let's call it 20 songs. Two or three of them will be good songs that are actually up to your standards. But there is literally no way to get those two songs without writing the 20 songs. So learn to write faster so you can get all 20 songs out and pick which two get released. Amen. Yeah. Let's There's, go. What's your remix, your life story? Yeah. 
Yeah. Sounds like Evan had a follow-up to that. There's there's such a bow on that. I don't even want to. <laughs> let's, let's go, Tesco. Let's Amen. Remix your life. Word, man. Yeah, so I was working a factory job at the time, making some what? car parts, being really? a little depresso about it. What car parts? Was, uh, I was working on, like, car doors and shit at a Chrysler plant. And... um it was not sunshine and rainbows inside. It was you're red. like, you're like, you seen the movie Eight Mile? Yeah, B so Rabbit like fish. in that T in Rabbit. That, I mean, I'm I'm right across from Detroit. <laughs> like Detroit River is like ten minutes from. This is all house. making a lot of sense. Yes. So, um, yeah, big automotive scene here, you could say, and uh, yeah, I got a job. To, you know, paid through school. Um, doing that and uh, on the bright side you know you could listen to music at the time so I spent a lot of time just looking up YouTube videos watching any sort of live stream anything I could get my hands on those virtual riot live streams I think there were some dodge and fusky ones uh, Mr. Bill videos and I think it was through Mr. Bill or maybe Vesper that I came across Dylan and I came across that first 40 minute uh, chapter in the ill methodology. And I was like, man, this man with the fedora be spitting some facts here. And uh, it was, it really caught my attention though. Cause I I'd gone through so many videos. I mean, I worked that job for a few years and, and every single day I was trying to find new content, but that was the first video I really found where I was like, man, this is different. Like he's really going in on like the philosophy kind of stuff and talking about everything else that everybody else isn't talking about. So, um, man, I burned that, uh, video. I used like a YouTube to MP3, put it on my phone at the time. So I wouldn't destroy my data. And I must've listened to that like 20 times, at least I kid you not like every other or third day, I would just re-listen to it. Cause I had these like long ass eight hour shifts to kill. Dude, I and, still listen to that like once every three months. Like that, that stuff, you need to burn that into your brain. It is so important. There are so many big nuggets that can really actually move the needle. Not multiband side chain compression for your lead. Like that's going to do like 0.5%. Like could really move the needle like 10% improvement that you need to remind yourself of go rewatch that video after you watch the mick gordon after this yes yeah honestly <laughs> man i need to i need to watch that again because it's been a while but like i remember after all of that time i spent like listening to those live streams and stuff which was definitely worth it i think as much time as you put into what you're passionate about it, it'll always pay off even if you're retaining 10% at a time in the beginning but you're revisiting those eventually more stuff will make sense but hearing Dylan talk about all you need is cut copy paste to make the best music and you could do it right now it's just a matter of putting in the time like you don't need fancy techniques like that really resonated with me and hearing his story and and you know having that passion and just realizing like I don't want to be stuck here I don't want to be like doing some job after school. I don't want to do like, I want to be committing my life to music and the craft and like really doing this. So hearing his, 
his sort of philosophy on the whole thing and, and living your best life resonated with me. And then I found out about his Patreon and I saw he was doing um, mentorship. And, you know, all of my friends have either given up on music or just like casual listeners um, in my hometown, at least, or at the time, I didn't really have producer friends. So I was like, man, like whatever the cost of this thing is, I'm just going to invest in it because this guy clearly knows what he's talking about. I really like his process. And um, he was actually all booked out at first. And um, I met a friend shortly after that. And I was telling him like, yo, you got to check out this dude. He's like really into the philosophy stuff. Like he knows what he's talking about. Like you'll like this. Because um, my buddy had just come back from Icon, um, squashed out. Shout out to my hey. boy. He was on the EP, also on the podcast a bit ago. We've and um, we became friends place. around that time. And I was like, man, you got to check this dude out. Like, he's got a Patreon. He's got some cool perks on there or whatever. He's doing this weekly download thing. Um, which actually, no, I started off in the weekly download. And as I was showing him, I was like, oh, my God, there's one slot available. Somebody dropped out. And I just snagged that shit immediately. And uh, I remember the, the month after, had a session with Dylan. It was uh, January, went in, all giddy, happy, like, man, this is going to be awesome. Finally got people to talk about music with. And I remember thinking I was so good at the time, knowing I could do better, but I remember thinking I was at a way higher level than I was. I remember bringing in that first track and just being like, man, this is going to be the shit. He's going to love it. And Obviously, you know, he was cool about it, but there was a lot of stuff that need improvement. And I remember one piece of advice where um, it was like this mid-tempo, slower house, four on the floor, kind of G-house inspired thing. And he's like, man, like it needs more ear candy. Like it needs like some sprinklers on the high end. It needs more like in the stereo width. And this was all shit that nobody was talking about in tutorials because it was, it's not a sexy topic to talk about. And I just remember being like, man, like, how does this guy hear these things? Like, this is crazy. And it was at that time I just realized, like, man, there's so much from these tutorials and stuff you're not going to pick up on because it's not a cool topic to talk about. So as we got deeper into it and he talked about, like, vertical versus horizontal energy paired with checkerboarding. Um, and then um, I think my, my favorite thing that really stuck with me, he was talking about and this seems to be kind of a theme in the chat today, you need to have a box before you can think outside of the box. Like I was so stuck on, oh, I'm going to learn all this shit. It's going to be cool. It's going to be unique. It's going to be crazy. Kind of like Luke, you were saying like, oh, I'm gonna, people are going to appreciate all my layers of complexity. It's going to be sick. <laughs> and uh, just realizing like, man, like, I'm really like just running around here aimlessly, not knowing what, what I'm doing. So getting that like personalized feedback from somebody that knew what the hell they were talking about and has been through all of those same mistakes. Like I know to this day, I would still be struggling with a lot of the same shit and writing horrible music. If somebody better than me didn't just be like, yo, don't do this or do this, you know, and like, here's how to optimize your workflow. Like the daytime, nighttime sessions is another huge thing. I just didn't want to say that's the main one. Cause that's sort of a big one and an obvious one if you're in the dojo at this point, but like, that's so huge preparing, um, you know, what you're going to be working with beforehand. So all that stuff, like, I think I was maybe six years into music at that point, maybe had worked in FL Studio for a year. No, like two, 
two or three actually. And then I got Ableton, but I was like playing in metal bands and stuff. You know, I thought I knew my shit. I was like, yeah, this will be easy. Yeah, and, um, know, Tesco is an absolutely <laughs> sick guitarist. So if you need to hire him for guitar riffs or licks, you, you need to do that because he's incredible. I got you. And, and note, um, I will jump in with something I wanted to touch on. Yes, please. You said, um, it just kind of hit me like when you were talking about like watching tutorials and then having him explain these concept concepts that specifically applied to your music. You don't necessarily watch tutorials like based on your strengths and weaknesses and what you know and what you don't know because you don't know what you don't know. You sit down that to works. watch tutorials and you see another one that looks interesting and it might it might be interesting to you because you're doing sound design right now and you want to know how to make this Skrillex bass or because you don't know what a multiband compressor is and so you feel like that's really important. I hardly use a multiband compressor yeah. except in mastering. Like like maybe maybe on my bass group. There's there's a million ways to skin a cat and Multiband compression is probably not going to be the way that you make good music. But on YouTube, it looks really interesting, and you need to learn that, right? Like, it's there. Like, you don't know it. Like, the video's right there. You need to watch it. No. Like, that's why feedback is so important. You need someone else that knows more than you do to be like, no, no, no. You're doing these things good. Keep doing those. You don't need to watch more tutorials on those. This is the stuff that you need to focus on. This is your blind spot. This is the stuff you didn't know you were screwing up. And by the way, here's a video to watch that fixes that blind yeah. spot. Here's, like, a, here's an could, hour of Bill Gates deep diving onto the yeah. one thing that will help you the most today. Are you joking? Like that? <laughs> what could be better for your production career? What yeah. could be better? And to touch on, you know, the multiband compressor fixes your issue thing. It's like you're right. If it's if the song is crap. No amount of multiband compression will ever fix it. If your song's amazing and you don't use a multiband compressor, it's not going to ruin it. Multiband compression is one of those things that will get you from like 85 to 88% good when used correctly. Like it'll help change some balance in an already good thing or be icing on a turd cake. It doesn't really matter that much. Like it's a good tool to have, but when it comes down to it, having like really fundamental understanding of good composition, of good arrangement. Maybe, probably, definitely more important than either of those, good sound selection. I'm not even going to say sound design, because designing your own sounds is only as good as you are at selecting sounds. Because if you make a 15-minute mud pie and all of it is shit, it doesn't matter. You got to like be able to pick the good moments that are actually worth writing with. So, you know, practice on somebody else's sounds. Go listen to shit on Splice and d figure out like, you know, we talk about referencing in the mix a lot and that's important. It's vital. You got to be able to reference when you're mixing and mastering to know how loud to make shit, how balanced, you know, what balance to get out of shit. But like reference, that's what the arrangement exercise is for, like reference when to put sounds and what kind of sound to put there. If you listen to your sound in your library and then go back and listen to that Skrillex track you're trying to emulate and the bass you 
are choosing sounds nothing like theirs in a qualitative way. Like it's, it's, you know, doesn't have the same frequency response and the same balance or the same width. It, you just, you just ruined your chances of making a song that sounds anything close to that. So you've got to learn to train your ear to choose good sounds, to put in a good order, to change that order through the whole track. Like those are the most important parts. You figure out how to do that shit, you get your orange belt. Then we'll talk about mixing and mastering, which is another very, very vital skill. Learning yeah. how to do basic engineering. Seriously though, like That's what you just talked about, before you even get to mixing and mastering, I've said this on the podcast before, but I'm going to say it again because it's so gosh darn true. The best sounding mix you will ever do in your life will also be the easiest because that mix started with the right sounds playing in the right registers with each other composed in the correct rhythm and you didn't make any problems for yourself everything sounded good together before you broke out the fine tools the eqs the compressors the saturators the multiband compressors the side chains all these things they sounded good by themselves without screwing with them it all it all worked and then you just nudged everything into the correct alignment and boom your mix is done like amen I remember reading some Reddit thing from Porter Robinson in an AMA and and he's like 80% of my mix work is just tweaking the volume faders and I was like what but what about multiband compression I just learned about that on YouTube I just spent an hour watching videos on YouTube about that what about that no like pick the right sounds can't polish a turd sample selection he also said that in that Reddit thread and volume just like those two things will get you so far but you can't you can't fix the problem of two sounds that don't work together it's like if they just don't work they just don't work and so you need to be able to have the repetition of creating enough things enough songs putting sounds that don't work together enough times to know okay that doesn't work this other thing, though, I think it does. You know, you have to develop that instinct, and there's no other way to do that other than repetition of putting things together and listening and seeing what it sounds like. Yeah. Amen. 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 Yeah, we got a few more questions in the chat. I want to make sure we yeah. get to before we big sign up out. chat. Big up chat. Now we're only big up, big up. we're only technically signed on for an hour, but you know, screw the clock. We we got questions. We got people with us, so we're here. For, we're here with y'all guys. We're not leaving yet. Uh, Mike E. Camel Hotline asked, what's been a spark for you lately? Uh, for me, it's been having way too many non-musical things to do on my to-do list and then getting a random idea for a melody in my head and then uh, saying, fuck all of my actual responsibilities tonight. I'm going to stay up till 5 a.m. making this song. Yeah. So for me, it is... Do with that what you will. Attempting to get... 10% as good at guitar as Tesco is. Um, <laughs> basically, I just like learned an album at a time. Like I learned how to play like System of a Down, Toxicity all the way through. And then just like, like learning those chord shapes and those rhythms and stuff. And I'll like, when I'm writing like guitar 
riffs to use in my music, like that stuff will just naturally come out. Like, like sounds and different chord combinations that I like will just naturally find their way into what I'm what I'm writing. And then those guitar riffs that I'm writing that are actually, you know, enjoyable enough and and more complex than just a basic like chug rhythm, like has been really like inspiring me personally, um, being on just that like upwards like section of the learning curve of guitar. So it sounds like you're using your nighttime sections to uh to expand your mental library of chord shapes and progressions and changes so that when you're in your daytime writing session, they just come out naturally. It's like uh, having an organized library. In your mind. (laughs) Big brain move. (laughs) Jessica? Cool, yeah. For me lately, it's been harmonic minor vibes. I love that scale. I feel like, um, oh, no, what am I saying? That's that's secondary to doing vocals. I've been huge on like, learning how to sing, been working with the vocal coach, um, learning like vocal processing. The harmonic minor is kind of an extension of that because I feel like it's just like you can make really cool vocal melodies on that. Um, So that messing around vocal processing and then messing around with um, articulating my bass in different ways. So I I do like sort of trap oriented music mainly, a lot of 808s in there, finding different ways to like... um, you know, uh, uh, support my arrangement by using combinations of different 808s and synth basses and, and just getting a little more articulation, like using Reese's or like, like donks and, com- and, and using like, uh, contrasting those with like shorter 808s or longer 808s, slides, glides, all that stuff. If you're making bass music or music that's oriented around the low end, like, you need to give love to your bass. So like make sure you're not using the same sub that you use in the drop as you are in the intro or like something like that. Cause it's going to be very hard to get a articulate song. Amen. Good answers. All right. Wicked asks uh, or says another thing Ill Gates pushes is daily journaling. Journaling has been monumental to my progress, not just for music, but mental health as well. Though I haven't written every day. Have you been able to stay consistent? How has it helped your progress? Yeah. So for me, um, like, like wicked mentions, uh, I'm not always consistent with it, but I find that when I am in not an ideal headspace, journaling is how I get all of that not ideal headspace onto a page. Like, what am I screwing up? What are the things I'm repeatedly falling into as a trap and like writing in like all caps like all of the things my subconscious mind has been telling me that I've been not necessarily listening to or or like it's it's just the perfect way to get your repetitive thoughts onto a page and then fix them knowing that it's like it's in front of you now it's like it's it's on your notepad, like staring yourself, staring you in the face. Like you're going to remember it. Um, journaling is, is such an undervalued thing. And I think that for myself personally, like I wish I did it more because I know how powerful it is, but it's like the first thing to drop off when you're doing well, 
you know, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to sit down and start doing this thing that I'm working on. You know, it's just like you, when you, when you don't think you need it, you like, it's, it's, it's easy, easy to forget about it. And so, um, th- this is a reminder for myself as well. Like it's powerful. It's powerful. It, it, it reinforces your good habits and it helps you dissect and fix the things in your process or in your life that you wish you could solve. Um, all good things. Do it, do it more often, as often as possible. Yeah. Amen. Um, I, I would also like to do it more. I have chunks of my life where I'll do it every day or every night, really. I'm, I'm a night owl. Uh, you know, we talk about daytime and nighttime sessions. They're pretty much all nighttime sessions for me. <laughs> you know, uh, I love sleeping in and staying up late. Um, and, and generally my, my, uh, writing has been, you know, at night or, you know, maybe really early in the morning, right before I go to sleep, um, kind of like getting down what I, what I went through that day, organizing it, you know, sometimes it's been, like a gratitude, like writing down all the things I was grateful for that day. You know, even if they were tough things, finding a way to turn that into gratitude. Like I'm grateful for the challenge of, you know, and that I learned blah, blah out of it. Um, I really do want to do that more. And that is one of my resolutions. I actually left my journal at home and was uh, out of town at my lady's house uh, all, all over the New Year's weekend and just got home. Uh, yesterday evening. So I actually haven't written in my journal yet this year, but that's definitely going to be one of my focuses is actually this, sticking this isn't to the just the human music podcast dishing out advice for all the humans. It's, it's also friendly reminders for ourselves. So un, uh, uh, again, big up chat. Yeah. Yeah. Big up. Um, yeah, honestly, I'm not the best at journaling either. So uh, before I give my cop out answer, um, yeah, I don't, but my sort of form of doing that, um, slightly different, but I've always been huge on like writing lists. Like I always have a whiteboard or act like really multiple whiteboards around me at all times, papers on my desk with a pen nearby. I'm always writing down what I need to do. Uh, Kanban flow is an awesome website where you could create boards for yourself and make like columns and then add like, um, like basically like sticky notes to it. But you can add like due dates or like requirement lists of like what needs to get done to, for that sticky note to be completed. So I'm like a huge organization freak. Google Calendar is huge for me. Like, yeah. I feel like uh, a lot of my friends probably think I'm like a wacko because I'm like, all right, I'm free uh, six to seven Wednesday. I can slot you in. <laughs> Or like, yeah, I'm very much seven. live life by the day. hour. Sorry? Can't go past seven on Wednesdays. That's weekly download time. So yeah, that's when we're going to I'm, learn some I'm, stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very huge on like, I live my life by the hour. And I make sure uh, it's been a new thing for me this year. Um, I used to try to do the journaling when I would feel overwhelmed, um, but 2020 took me for a hell of a ride to be real. So my new routine has just been waking up early, um, like 5 a.m. usually in the morning, and I'll do some form of meditation, and that has changed my life. And I'll make sure um, to, to clear my mind first, but um, also think about like what are my A's and what B's can I cross out and just really try to focus in on like, what do I want to be great at? And what would I be okay 
sacrificing in this lifetime and then review my list regularly and cross off shit that I thought maybe could be cool in the moment, but like I'm going to sacrifice them for my A's, if that makes sense. So meditation, hella lists, and then also like really uh, thinking about what I want to get done that day and then crossing off anything that doesn't fall under the category of I, I stick to three things. So like vocals has been one working on the podcast and um, some side stuff I got going yeah. on. We won't get into that. <laughs> Nothing illegal. <laughs> Just saying. Only partly. <laughs> uh, it's my only fans. <laughs> yeah. So next question is from my dude, Nick, AKA Godface. He asks, how do we all use our reference tracks? Um, I use mine in a couple ways. One, um, as I'm, you know, as I'm picking my sounds and shaping my sounds with EQ, um, and, and then leveling them into the mix, um, you know, that's, you know, that's one we just to make sure I'm on the right track as I'm building my song, you know, making sure I'm picking sounds that work in that genre. You know, if I'm saying I'm trying to make a trap beat, that's kind of in that like Megan the Stallion type of vibe and like, oh man, like what is their what is their bass doing in that track? What's the frequency response to that sub? And how is the relationship with the kick working to get that vibe? And then how loud and and what what are the frequencies of the snares and the hi-hats that give that contrast, but still leave enough room for the vocal there? Or, you know, maybe it's a, a oh, bass what track. And then how huge and fat and smacking are these kick and snares? And how is the side chain working? You know, just making sure that, you know, that I'm on the right track. And then at the end, I'm using uh, metric AB, like I'll put the reference track into metric AB, and I really like going frequency band by frequency band, and just A being what's going on below 100 hertz in my track and their track. I mean, like, what is the, what is, when I'm only listening to this little band of the sub, what's the ratio feel like? And then when I'm only listening to the, the base of, you know, whatever, like 100 to 250. Like, what's that feel like when I'm just listening to the mid-range or the high mids or just the highs? And being able to really separate out each, you know, each subtle section and be like, okay, what is just the top of my snare and the top of my hi-hat and the top of my vocal doing together? Because that ratio is really important. Separate from how loud is the vocal compared to how loud are the drums. Um, and then just finally, like, what is, you know, what's the actual volume at the end? Like, how far should I push the limiters to sit with this genre? Sometimes I'll be like, yeah, I can push this real hard. This is smacking. And then I'll listen to the reference and be like, oh, you know what? I'm actually going to dial that back because this is an R&B joint. Like, I don't need to go that ham. Yeah, my, my answer is pretty straightforward. It's referencing at the mixing stage for frequency response. Like, what is the curve of a reference track? in the genre that I'm making, um, what's the loudness and then just like detail points. Like if you've watched the approach with such Seth Drake, like what, what is the connection of the, the kick and snare? Like how crispy are the hi hats? Like how, how loud is the bass, uh, in comparison to the vocal, if, if the two are playing together, those, those kinds of things. Um, but mostly in a, in a mixed sense or, doing an arrangement exercise um, and dissecting a song that I really like and, and breaking it down for what's happening in each part to see like what I liked about it. And then, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. 
Um, yeah, I'm gonna drop a video here in the chat. Um, I use um, sort of a strategy built off what Ahi talks about in this video here. Um, I generally tend to use uh, two, three, four reference tracks in my project once I've completed the writing process. Um, and I'll sort of follow what he does, use Voxango span, and then you can, um, if you set up the routing correctly, you can send in multiple tracks and then um, use use like the frequency distribution. And I know if I can get somewhere in the ballpark of where those songs are, um, then my song will sound like it fits with this collection of other music that I sort of want to fit within for this track. I'll also use uh, Mastering the Mix Levels. It's a VST for checking like your luffs um, and stuff like that. So I'll generally tend to use a combination of span and that. And then uh, sort of the other thing I'm listening for, it's a bit harder because it's not really a metric. Um, Evan, I think you talked about, yeah, Porter Robinson talking about leveling. Like leveling is so huge and it's one of those things I wish I took seriously earlier on um, because you need to train your ears to get a feel uh, for how sounds are relative to each other. So like generally I, I find people don't tend to push things far back enough if it's not a main element. And like the reference just helps me catch a few things. Like if my vocals not sounding as clear or my drums aren't hitting as hard, like generally I need to back some stuff off or like turn up my vocals a bit, let's say, or like maybe get a bit more of that sparkly high end or whatever. Um, and then I find when I, have a few reference tracks to go off of I can really like dial in that relationship but that's just something you're gonna need to train your ears for um, but you know you also need to be somewhere within that luffs level and that frequency distribution if you want to get an accurate image of how um, how your leveling should be between your elements amen all right next we got slow form shouts out to Katie Asked, do all hey. of us guys hear melodies slash sounds or come up with ideas in our head? Uh, she says, I don't think I've ever actually sat down with an idea in mind. Is that something that developed over time? Um, r rarely, but yes. It's, it's one of those things where like, if you do hear a song in your head, it's almost never when you're sitting at your computer. Um, like, so wherever you are, like pull out your phone, take a voice memo and just do the cringy like humming of the melody. And then if you hear a bass line, like try and get close to that. I've got so many and of those. Yes. Yeah, so many of those. Um, normally when I go to sit down to write that song, it doesn't end up like that song anyways. So it's almost like, like here's a good bit of inspiration to work from and cool. Like if it ends up like what I yelled into the phone, perfect. <laughs> if not, like it's, you know, if, if it ends up like something else that I like, great. Uh, and if it ends up terrible, um, well, at least I had an idea that could have been cool. You know, and for the most part, um, it, it's, it's more of the two-way street of like putting something into the computer that like, you know, you could, you like you might hear or um, really just like trying stuff and then listening to it and getting ideas from that. Rarely is like I hear a full song in my head and sit down and that whole song turns into the song that is in Ableton. Like that's just yeah. 
rarely happens, but like stuff does pop into my head when, you know, you're in the shower or you're riding mountain bikes or you're out for a walk or whatever. Like it, it does happen, but it's not, it's not the driving force of my riding personally. Yeah. Um, for me, stuff pops into my head. There's like a little cosmic radio station playing in the back you're of my the head. Idea, most man. Of the I've, time. I've worked with you before. You're literally like the idea, man. <laughs> Like, you're just idea, 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 and then it's like, yep, that one. Let's roll with it. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, we've all got our strengths, and what I've been telling people a lot is, like, figure out what your strengths are, what what comes easily to you, and just lean on that. Make that the centerpiece of your song, and then figure out how to support it. Like, I was really trying to be Mr. Sound Design, and my sound design just wasn't coming along that good. And then I realized that, like, you know what comes to me easily? Beatbox, drums, and, like, little, quick, short rap lyrics. And so now that's pretty much all of the songs I write center around that. Like, I'm not that great at writing chord progressions or making the craziest sound design. So instead of like, ooh, that's a cool little melody idea, now I'll do a loop menu of it. And then I'll put some drums behind it and a bass line that matches and see how the song evolves from there. And then, ooh, this is fun. This has got a little vibe. Let me freestyle a little bit over it and like chop a one little bar of rap that I'll put in. Like those are things that come easily to me based on my skill set, my brain, my soul, whatever, <laughs> whatever goes into that. So whatever yours are, practice a lot of things, figure out what comes easily and do that first. Like if you're dope at playing the bongos, sit down and jam on bongos, get a great groove, and then write pieces around those bongos. If you're really good at sound design, come up with a killer sound design and then figure out what melody makes that sound design sing whatever that is um tesco yeah amen on that point of find what you're good at like i find anytime i'm like struggle fucking through the process and just hating everything i'm writing it's usually because i'm neglecting what i'm good at and trying to be something else and like for me i've just found vocals are fun i mean hella harmonic minor practice from being in metal i play guitar so those are like three things I've just really taken as like a core piece of my sound. And I find anytime I stray away from that, and I'm not saying like never stray away from your strengths, like build up your weaknesses too. But like anytime I'm just like really hating everything I'm writing and feeling all this self-doubt, it's usually because I'm like overlooking those things. Um, what was the question again? Um, do we hear melodies and sounds do I that, hear melodies? Early, that we like? bring to the DAW. While you think, I'll remind the audience that uh, um, I'm sure we all have, but I particularly have ruined many a good song by by thinking to myself, oh no, I wanted to sit down and write a song that sounded more like Nero today. This doesn't mm -hmm. sound very Nero-y. How do I shoehorn this thing that I'm working on that I'm not Nero and, and I'm going to try and do the Nero thing myself? Like, no. Like, Sit down and write what you're good at, what comes to you naturally. Allow, like for, for allow Luke, the process. It, for Luke, it's melodies. You know, I don't know what it is for me, but whatever it is for me, it's that. And then Tesco is going to finish the rest of the question. Yeah. Um, as far as do I hear melodies, I would say that's maybe like 10% of the time, but generally, like, I have a pretty good idea of what kind of music I like to write and what I like to hear in other people's music. So generally I find I'll pick up little tidbits that I'll sort of put into my framework 
of library library template workflow, or I'll pick up on like something somebody else did and find my own, uh, or I'll be reminded of something that I forgot. So either I'll learn something new or I'll be reminded of something I haven't done in a long time and I'll um, pick that up. So like, for example, like I've been listening to this artist, Don Tolliver, a lot lately. He had a melody that's like, da, 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 da. And I was like, okay, cool. Descending has these like big interval jumps. Let me take that and play with that for my next few songs. Then he has another song, Can't Feel My Legs, where the whole chorus is just, I can't feel my legs repeated a few times with some humming. And I was like, you know what? I never hum or simplify my hooks. Let me just mess around with simple hooks and humming. And you also can't feel your legs, so yes. I've been sitting a while sit down on this and hard chair. I'm also much. getting a tingling sensation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, little stuff like that, um, and and like it was kind of reinforced. Uh, I don't listen to Kid Cudi personally that much, just because I'm not on the wave. But like when his album dropped, I saw everybody tweeting like, "I could just listen to Kid Cudi hum," and I was like, "Man." I do not incorporate enough humming into my music. So let me take what I already do and let me try adding humming, bigger interval leaps and do more simpler like descending or ascending melodies. And that has given me so much to work with in the last month or two that I don't even feel like I've still fully explored that yet, but it still sounds very much like what I'm going for still. Yeah. So here's a fun question from Essence. When are we going to hear a three-way human music podcast collab EP from you guys? I feel like the podcast is a three-way collab. Uh, <laughs> um, in the musical sense, that's a good question. We've when we can link up. We've been talking about it. Yeah, COVID, uh, you know, kind of sparked us even doing the podcast all via Zoom. But yeah, we would love to get in the same room and actually make music. But, you know, that's not the only way to do it. As we all know, we could send stems and stuff. And, you know, I don't know if it's top secret anymore, but we've been working on this really big uh, sound library um, all together, each doing what comes easiest. Like I did none of the serum patches and most of the melodies that are in this pack. You know, I did all of the vocal one shot and drop like pre-drop vocals that are in you know like i did my parts and everybody else did what they're really strong at so uh it's that's a big collab on our part and we're all making songs using these sounds um and so uh you know maybe maybe we'll end up making uh making some collab tracks out of uh, out of those sounds and uh and put it out uh as a as a dope ep and slash promo for this cool ass sound pack that we made Spicy, spicy promo, a hot, hot sound pack coming your way. Yeah, I've literally it's not even a sound used... pack. It's like a whole different thing. It's, like yeah, it's whole, crazy. It's, man. it's not yeah. really a sound pack. It's more of like an entire bass music sound library pre-organized for you. And basically, it's ninety-eight percent of what I use <laughs> to make music these days. It's yeah, like, actually, though, I could make. I've made so many songs out of it, and I'm just scratching the surface of what we can do with it. So. Good question, and yeah, that's some shit we got to think about. Um, let's see, next question. Unless you guys have more stuff to do while I'm reading the chat, talk about something. <laughs> I mean, air. yeah, lean into your strengths. That's huge, and and don't be scared to like hop into your DAW if you don't have an idea. 
like I find a lot of times too, like, you know, um, you can lean on your strengths a bit and then find like one variable you could tweak within that. Like mm-hmm. if you like distorted sounds and you always use a saturator, like you got pedal, you got amp, you got a dynamic tube, you got, you know, all these different sort of substitutes for that. Or like, if you like really like trippy psychedelic stuff, you got choruses, you got flangers, you got phasers, you got, um, you know, different reverbs you can use. And like, I'd be willing to bet, you know, even if it's a uh, characteristic in your songs that you really like to, to, to use, or it's a strength you lean on heavy, you still haven't probably explored everything within that. Uh, like generally I find I get out of phase of using certain things. Like I'm back into like using flangers a lot because I haven't used them in, in quite a while. And instead of like having reverb be my main go-to spatial effect, I'll like experiment with a flanger or a phaser and see how I could push those, for example. So like, yeah, just go in, do what you know, and then just like tweak one thing that you never do. That's also like a really good way. Yeah, love it. Um, OGK asks, random question, but what do you guys do for work? Well, I'm Trap Jesus. I'm a carpenter. Also do some handy mannery and uh, painting and such. Uh, that's what that's what keeps the lights on in the studio and gave me the skills to build this room that I'm sitting in and stripped it down to the studs and rebuilt everything from the electrical to the framing to the, you know, sheetrock and painting. Such and a flex. Such a flex. Mm, so what's funny is, is that we we both did that same thing, although I am, am not a carpenter at all. Uh, but I did work in construction uh construction management for um quite a few years stacking up my pennies so that i could move out of a expensive area to live into a more reasonable area to live and um music is my full-time thing right now um while i uh work from those savings that i stacked up diligently so that i could be doing this um but yeah, I I also built this studio from the ground up. Um, although I'm sure if you took a a magnifying glass or not even a magnifying, if you just walked into this room and looked around, not on a Zoom call, you'd be like, "You don't know what you're doing, do you?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Tesco drywall is whatever. It's not very good in here. It's very bad. You're going to put foam up anyways. Who cares? True. You just, you just take a photo of the background you Photoshop out all the little like mistakes. And then you just set it as your zoom filter. Even, even the background, even that mural on the, on the back wall, like from 15 feet away. Oh, it looks great. But if you walk up to it, you're like, what the hell happened, man? Oh my God. Jesus. (laughs) Modest Kenny. He didn't have to tell you that, but he did. It's bad. If you see it, it's <laughs> bad. It's really bad. Um, I make websites look pretty. You do more than that. I'm a web developer. I, I, I give him a little functionality, too. Woo. And I teach at the dojo, of course, until that's my full-time job. Yeah, amen to that. Um, yeah. yeah, pretty soon... Uh, 
Well, uh, Nick Godface asks uh, if we're going to have pre-orders on that human music palette. And yeah, pretty soon here. Um, we're also coming up with some, speaking of palettes, putting together palettes and templates and a bunch of tutorial videos to bundle all together with that to really stack on the value. So I don't know, pretty soon here, maybe uh, maybe our next live will have, uh, have some uh, good, uh, a pre-order link for you guys because we're actually looking for a, kind of a first class to do some, you know, beta testing and get a, an insane discount on what's already going to be an insane value. So, uh, yeah, keep, uh, keep that in mind. Um, we'll, yeah, let's, let's put that as a goal. Two weeks from now, we'll have a pre-order link. I love it. Sound good guys. Yeah. Talk about remixing our lives. I'm so stoked for everybody. Moving on the it. thing we spent most of last year building. I know, seriously, right? <laughs> like this thing has been in the works for so long yeah. since this pod before. Since before this pod, eh, before no, it's I like think we had the idea of the podcast around the time the podcast started. We started working on this thing. It's yeah. been at least eight months. Yeah, <laughs> but you know that's how it goes sometimes. Like you just keep working. You think, and you know what? We did a lot of that drafting we're talking about with this, where it was like, oh yeah, it's this part of it's done. And then two months later, it was like, you know what? We've had a chance to work with this a bit and realized that was the first draft. And now we're working on draft two of that same part. The serum library is now getting revamped and it just keeps getting better. So by the time that it actually gets to you guys, it's going to be immaculate and impeccable and uh, implacable. I don't think that's the word I'm going for. Moving on. It's not I'm running out vocabulary because we've been on for 90 minutes <laughs> oh katie asks a really good question what are our 2021 goals my first one is to sit down and write out my 2021 goals um i've definitely got some uh one of them is going to be releasing uh music as luke rain at least one time per month you know so not more than a four-week break between uh, any releases as Luke Rain and uh, utilize some of the sweet, sweet Facebook ad skills that Rip Kinney taught me to get my to get my streaming numbers popping. Um, also, uh, finish, release, and market the absolute hell out of this amazing library tutorial, you know, stack and pack that we, we've been talking about. Um, and uh, growing my company with Bounce Gang, a Gangaroo Records music distribution and publishing administration, who are a sponsor of the podcast. What's up? Yeah. Um, that's that's where I'm going to be putting out all my music through through my crew's own uh, distro company. the The basic package is only ten bucks a year, completely unlimited, no nickel and dime bullshit that some of the other companies do. Um, and then uh, registering all those songs with uh, with our publishing administration because it turns out there are like nine or ten places where you have to register and and submit your music to actually get all of the money you're supposed to get from your your uh, streaming royalties. And uh, they made my homies in Bounce Gang made a form where I can fill it out one time and it registers all of those places and then all of that money gets collected back to one payout for me. Take whatever percentage uh, you want. Like, I need that. Like, no. Yeah, and um, a lot of the companies that do that kind of, what's it's, it's called publishing administration, will take, you know, 50% of your publishing. And if you sign a publishing deal, they'll give you an advance fee, but then take 100% of your publishing forever. Gangaroo is made by musicians for musicians. So we're going to take 15% year one, 10% year two, and 3%, or pardon me, 5% year three, and any other year after that. Um, it's like... 
incredibly so. fair. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Yeah, Gengar is actually a game changer, man. Like, yeah, fucking insane what you guys are doing. I mean, you know, it's how it's how it works when instead of being business people, are like how much money can we squeeze out of musicians? Where musicians, which are like all these assholes, are losing our business and we're building our own thing. And by the way, all the homies uh, should get on board. Amen. Yeah. So uh, my my goals for twenty twenty one. Um, the first one is finish writing, uh, an album and release an album, um, some, at some point in the year, um, that I've got a few kind of cool ideas to make it not just 12 songs, but a bigger collection of art and story and reflection of, you know, all of the things that I want my art to be. Um, so that's number one. Number two is uh, a million streams on Spotify. Um, yeah, that sounds like a lot, but that's only actually eighty three point or eighty three 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 repeating streams per month, which is not far off from what is happening right now. So I think I think that one's possible, even though it sounds like a ridiculous number. I feel like that sounds low for you, bro. I feel like oh, you're gonna 10x that shit. Nice, no, bro. stop. Even that's not even fair. Um, so that's it. That one's kind of a vanity metric, but you know something that's like a, a nice, a nice goal to shoot for. And then um, by the end of the year, I'd like to make you know a a basic income from music because my runway of savings will not last forever. Um, and so I'd like to make a basic income from music, whether that be streaming, whether that be, you know, um, any, uh, all of the facets of music as they combine, just to be able to make a very basic income from music. Um, and those are my three. Cool. Um, yeah. Getting out this pack, definitely a huge one. Um, putting out some new music where I'm doing vocals and, and sort of bringing out this new brand, this new style. Um, I'm going to be putting out a plugin. That's kind of the one thing that I want to mention, but fuck it. I'm going to be making a free plugin, uh, to help y'all with mixing. Um, and you know, just sort of dip my feet into that and, uh, aiming to make music a full-time thing this year. So expect a lot more samples and plugins and cool stuff. I'm going to be working with the boys here um, for you guys to make creating as fun as possible and just um, take on as many more students as I can once once that time opens up. And Amen. big thank you to everybody, seriously, yeah. for supporting all of us here. Like This shit would not fucking be possible to you unless it was for you and it feels so close. So, uh, like not that I never thought it happened, but like the closer it gets, the more I'm just like, this is fucking crazy. So shout outs to all of you. Yeah. Big up chat. Big up, big up. Uh, so we got, this will be probably our last question. OGK shouts to all the good questions from you. Um, says curious for us noobs here, but how long after joining the dojo was your first EP release? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start this off with, this is a almost unfair question because everyone joins the dojo 
at a very different point in their production career. Yeah, unfair, um, man. Jeez, OGK. <laughs> no, 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 not, <laughs> not, not, not mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is a question that is important to a lot of people and that does make sense to ask, but is more in the grand scheme of how many hours did you spend in front of your computer before you made something quality enough to release as an EP on the Producer Dojo label? Um, for me, I was five and a half years into producing when I released my EP, and that was about a year and a half with the dojo. Yeah, I think I was somewhere around the same time, um, around five, six years into music, and it took me about two years after joining. Um like six months in i started working on it and then it was a year and a half long process uh and let's see i joined the dojo three years ago this week and uh i still haven't put out an ep on the dojo so different for everybody um some things i have done since joining uh put together an entire ep with sam shoemaker um called the grimy gospel um and uh you know, I ended up, we ended up hiring another engineer that I really trust that, that I know just could nail it in way less time than me. So we ended up uh, hiring him to mix and master the project uh, and, you know, and be the, the vocal engineer on that to get the final draft. We had, you know, we had completely built the EP, recorded everything in my studio here in this room. And then once we knew exactly how we wanted it to be, took it over there and recorded all the tracks and had him mix and master it. That was about... I think that came out like 16 months after I joined the dojo and the dojo was huge in getting me to a place where I could make those beats to that quality that, that he would want to rap on and actually put out and, and put all the, all the money behind it that he did to promote it. That, that EP did really well, right? Like, yeah, that EP like, did well. Like some of those tracks are over a hundred thousand views, like the ones that we, yeah. that we promoted as singles and put videos on and such. Um, and then the, uh, and then, uh, speaking of Sam Shoemaker, I uh, curated the remix EP for another track I did with him called Do It For Me. Um, and Evan, Slowform, uh, Munchie, and also uh, No Breaks all came out with incredible remixes for that. And I helped curate that and get that together and get it to Illgate so he could give that top, top level feedback on it. Um, and I'm really proud of that too. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, but it's different. Like Evan said, it's different for everybody. Like, I mean, we all come in at different levels. You know, some people have been producing for longer, which feels like it could be an advantage. But I know in my personal case, I came in with a lot more bad habits uh, <laughs> than a lot of folks. Like, you know, we, we talked to Slowform about that on the episode where we interview her and highly recommend go and listen to that episode. But we talk about that, that how it's like, she came in with literally no experience. Like, oh, I got Ableton. Now I'm in the dojo. How do I start? Where I came in thinking I knew a bunch and had to spend the all year breaking bad habits and even really longer than that. I'm still breaking bad habits that I learned from just winging it. So, you know, this is different for everybody. Yeah. You know, I'm going to say it one more time. Big up, chat. Big up, chat. Yo, make sure you're in our email list if you want to stay in the loop about this huge, I don't even want to call a library because there's so much more. 
and I hate to honk our own horn here, but like really, we're making a crazy ass uh, thing for y'all. If you want to get more details, get in on the first launch, help us beta test it and make it freaking pristine. Obviously, you're going to get every single update we do to it. And we're going to be working closest with you. Make sure you're in our email list, www.thehumanmusicpodcast.com. Don't forget the www. Um, or go to freemegapack.thehumanmusicpodcast.com if you don't have the free mega pack. And um, yeah, super stoked to roll this out. Thank you guys so much for yeah. supporting us. We greatly appreciate you. Thanks, Luke, for posting that. Just making sure the link works. Um, nope, I typed it wrong. <laughs> excellent. Listeners, everyone, oh. everyone that joined us for this this inaugural live episode, uh, it means a lot that you guys spend your time sitting to us, yab, about music, human music things. And uh, I just, we just really appreciate the fact that you guys show up to to hang out with us and this has been really fun i'm uh, hopefully some of these uh tidbits of knowledge have been helpful some of these answers to your questions weren't too long-winded and uh you know gave you guys some some insights that help you remix your life in in 2021 so yeah everybody thanks for tuning in let us know your 2021 goals here Drop it in the chat, and uh, we're going to be back soon to talk with you guys. Thanks for tuning into this first live stream here. We greatly appreciate you. I know we've said it a gazillion times tonight, but for fucking real, man, like this shit's only possible when we're a community. And um, yeah, we're going to grow together. We're going to crush 2021. And uh, man, have a beautiful night, humans. Yeah. Peace. Love y'all. And peace among worlds. <laughs> I like it. Humans, thanks so much for being with us. Remember to like, share, subscribe, rate, review, anything you can do to help this podcast reach more producers just like you. Thanks to the producer Dojo, reminding you it's time to remix your life. So if nothing else, click on that link for Dojo TV. Get in the Discord chat, create some resolutions on stick.com with us, and go for it. It is time to remix your life. Have fun. Who knows? You might win a year of the class of 808 for free. But until then, make sure that you sign up for either the weekly download or sign up for the Producer Dojo membership, which includes the weekly download archive and monthly lessons from our senseis, all the hosts here included. And of course, there's the unlimited track feedback add-on that we highly recommend. We talked about a lot in this episode. So ninjas, humans, all y'all, peace and peace among worlds.